Reading is uh, taking a letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. It's 1174, it says there. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. The reading is taken from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, 
and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Here endeth the reading. I'm never very good with technology, and that just really proves it, doesn't it? So today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and the final week of our preaching series, which will have taken us through Lent and up to next Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, and the beginning of Holy Week, culminating in Easter Day in two weeks' time. We've explored the themes of repentance, sin, and forgiveness, and this week we are focusing on grace. I have to say, I thought the preaching on sin, I had drawn the short straw. That is certainly not the case with grace. This is the really long straw. The key verse from our readings that I want to home in on is the one from Ephesians. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So what do we mean by grace? How would you define it? I wonder how many of you remember the rhyme that we used to sing as children. Monday's child is fair of face, Tuesday's child is full of grace. Wednesday's child is full of woe, Thursday's child has far to go. Friday's child is loving and giving. We used to say it a lot as children. I always wanted to be Tuesday's child, full of grace. It summed up elegance, sophistication, being attractive, light on one's feet. I had an Aunt Grace who certainly fitted this bill, and this is certainly one definition of grace. But as a child, I was always puzzled about why people talked about grace in relation to God. It didn't make much sense to me. But as I got older, I began to understand that the biblical definition of grace is very different and very special. I wrestled with the passage we have just heard from Ephesians, and godly grace started to make sense to me. We sang the hymn Amazing Grace just now. It is one of our most beautiful hymns, and is probably one of the best known and most loved hymns. But when we sing it, do we really think and know what it is all about? Remember the first verse. This truly sums up what God's real grace really is. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And there is the start of understanding God's grace. It is about being saved and found through God's love. God created a wonderful world, the world we are all so privileged to live in. 
According to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, God took seven days to create the world, the earth, the sea, the sky, and all the animals. And at the end of the sixth day are the words, and God saw that it was good. I have this wonderful feeling, picture of him sitting there, smiling rather, perhaps even smugly, about how wonderful the world is. Then finally, he created humankind, us, in his own image. God truly loved what he had created, the world and his people, humankind. And then in John's Gospel, we learn that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him has faith in him, may not perish, but may have eternal life. And that gives us the key to God's amazing grace. And that is what we heard in the reading from Ephesians, that Jesus came into the world to save us. God sent his son, and he lived with us. He died for us, and he rose from the dead. He died for our sins, and then rose from the dead for our forgiveness. Jesus stood in our world and took all our sin on himself, we, and we got off scot-free. What an amazing gift. And it is through God's grace, his gift of his son, that we are saved, a truly costly gift, to give his own son. But what is really amazing about God's grace, and this is right at the heart of it, is that it is an undeserved gift. How often do we get one of those? We may get forgiven when we have done something wrong, particularly if we say we are sorry, but we are not given a present. And a present like this, the promise of eternal life, it's just amazing. Undeserved love is pretty special. I wonder whether you can think of some time when you've had undeserved love, completely unconditional love. Perhaps your parents. I wonder whether they forgave you because they love you, but did they go on and actually give you a present? And quite often, you see grace described as God's riches at Christ's expense. A lovely definition. God's grace, riches at Christ's expense. And I think this is a great way of describing it. The grace is all based on God's inestimable love for us and the proof that he really wants us to believe in him and become closer to him. He will do everything he can to welcome us. Our first, second reading, the parable of the prodigal son, is a wonderful example of God's grace and compassion. And how should we practice grace in our own lives? Our lives should be a reflection of God's grace. What he has shown us, we must show others. We are given God's grace to lead others to God. In his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us, through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. The obedience that comes from faith. So let us recall again the words from Ephesians, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. God's grace is a free gift to everyone in the world, so our own lives should be a reflection of his grace. God's love is so great that he brought us to life with Christ for a place in heaven. He gave us our salvation. 
This is not on account of anything we have done, but by God's grace through faith. We are God's work of art, created to do the good works he has already assigned to us. We should have faith in him and serve him and our fellow man, humankind with love and compassion by performing good works. Amen. Pray. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. 